When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of All Too Real 2. My name is Michael E. Cullen II, and with me, as always, is... Is Matthew Maniac Haas. You're a maniac, maniac Maniac. on the floor. Oh, wait, no. Just anyways. So, um... Um, so today on the show, we're doing our All Too Rewind, where we look back at a movie that was kind of underrated. Um, today we, we have a, a guest to bring in the movie, um, Chris dot R dot Nutterelli. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, he, he's, uh, he's a filmmaker himself. He makes a lot of fan films. Um, he's a t- 2005 graduate from the school of visual arts, um, and, um, in New York city. Um, he's, a um, he he near, nearly amassed twenty shorts before he graduated. Um, by uh, two thousand seventeen, well over three hundred now. So wow. in two thousand seventeen, and he's done many since then. He uh, he does a uh, his popular horror fan film, "The Nightmare Ends on Halloween," is a horror short that uh, brings Freddy, Michael, Jason, Leatherface, and Pinhead together. Um, he does a lot of uh, really cool fan films. He's got his own uh, films too that he's done. Um, he has a company called Blinky Productions, which you can uh, check out. We'll uh, link all his stuff in the show notes. Um, but we're talking about Maniac Cop. Um, what were your thoughts on this movie, Matt? That you be you know when you watched it? No, I, I really loved it. Um, you know, I never I never watched it before today actually, and uh, you know I wasn't really sure what to expect from it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I mean, yeah, there were some plot holes here and there and it kind of, the movie did kind of, you know, lose steam with the last half hour or so. But, um, but yeah, I, I was actually really pleasantly surprised by this movie. Yeah. It's definitely a movie that, uh, should be watched right now. I mean, it, it's, it's timeless and sadly, and it's, uh, in it's approach to the look at, uh, cops and blue lives matter and all that stuff um it's uh it's interesting you know a way to look at 
police officers and overuse of power, um, which which has been tackled in other properties like the Punisher and stuff, which you uh, you brought up to my attention before we uh, before we started recording. Matt, you had something you wanted to say about that? Oh yeah, kind of like about the the Punisher, the like. For example, there's a lot of people who are like are super like Blue Lives Matter. Like they look up to the Punisher. I mean, you, you even see it sometimes where you'll see like the 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 Blue Lives Matter, um, sorry, Blue Lives Matter fl- flag, and it'll actually be over the Punisher's logo, and it's like that's total misrepresentation of what the character is about. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like o- almost willful at a certain point where it's like. They know that they're misrepresenting him. Like they just don't care. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it, it's almost to the equivalent of like putting, um, I don't know, Martin Luther King's face over a swastika. Um, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> it's, it's about the same thing. Um, <laughs> totally the opposite of what you're going for here. Um, so <laughs> the um, anyways, um, here's our. Uh, Here's our interview and talk about Maniac Cop with uh, Chris R. Notarelli, um, and uh, hope you enjoyed this. Okay, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Chris for uh, joining us here. Um, so, uh, first off, we're going to just uh, ask you a little bit about yourself. I know you, uh, you're a filmmaker yourself, and uh, so just tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, uh, what got you into filmmaking and stuff like that? Well, uh, I am a filmmaker. Um, I've been making movies now for the last 17 years. Wow. Believe that? 17 years. Yeah. Come uh, January, I'll eat, my movies will be legal. <laughs> so they'll be old enough to vote, some of them. But uh, basically, um, I always wanted to you know, be a storyteller. I remember um, when I was a kid, I would be specifically in like kindergarten. Um, I started drawing at like the age of five, and um, I would be drawing Plastic Man or Mr. Fantastic, and I would be moving like my face would be plastered against the paper, and I'd be moving along with the crayon as I drew the long arm, and it was kind of a, a way to simulate motion for me. Like I'm telling my story as I'm drawing, so in my head. You know, Plastic Man or Mr. Fantastic are, are stretching out and reaching for something as I'm moving along and I'm driving the whole, drawing the whole arm. And then, of course, you know, I have to pull back and finish the hand and go back and everything like that. But um, it kind of came from that, the idea of creating and being able to tell a story and then wanting that story to, to move, to come to life, is kind of where it all uh, originated. So I guess... I wanted to tell stories since I was five years old. I didn't know I wanted to tell movies or make movies until I would say, um, I don't know, I was probably like 16 is when I kind of snapped it all clicked in for me. Uh, prior to that, I was like, oh, I'll be an artist, you know, like my dad, or um, I'll, I'll, I'll go into animation and, and, and make animated movies. But then when I was 16, I actually started writing, like actually writing and I had created characters already, but now I was writing actual stories for those characters and trying my hardest to tell a completed story. Because, you know, a lot of kids, they, they come up with a character and they come up with an idea, but they never flesh the whole thing out. Yeah. 16 is kind of when uh, I hit the turning point. I go, okay, I'm going to write a story beginning, middle, and end. Boom, done. Next story. And 
rinse and repeat. Nice. Um, so I, I've I've seen a lot of your fan films. They're they're pretty cool. Um, what uh what drew you to making like fan films as uh, s- some of your uh, major output that you got going on? Okay, so it's not as uh, 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 I guess altruistic or noble as as you may think. <laughs> um, I had I had seen. Uh, Batman Dead End in 2003, yeah. and I was at Dragon Con, so I'm watching it in the big screen, the costume contest, and the movie comes on, and I'm like, huh, I had heard about it prior to everyone talking about, oh, it's Batman versus Predator, and the alien is in it, and Joker is in it, and I'm like, really? Okay, cool, and I, I checked it out, and I'm like, not bad, you know, it was, that's, it's, that's a, a big movie, um, it's a fan film, and he kind of sort of told Hollywood where to stick it because that last information of Batman had rubber nipples, you know? <laughs> so it was nice to to see something. Um, and then on top of it, it, uh, you know, it was getting major press. Kevin Smith had reviewed it and, and, and uh, all these magazines were talking about this is how Batman's supposed to be done. And I'm like, well, shit. That's how you gotta you gotta get known. You gotta get your name out there. And I hadn't started making movies yet. And I was getting into it. I was going to college. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna learn animation. And I'm gonna cross to movies. And I was like, how am I gonna do that? And I'm like, oh, that's how I'm gonna do. It. I'm gonna do a fan film of my own. Ha ha! <laughs> I will do what Hollywood cannot. And that was where it all started with me. I said, what? What can Hollywood not do? Because that's, I think, what a fan film should be. It should be what Hollywood can't do, you can. And, um, you know, having Batman and the Predator uh, literally on screen together is something Hollywood cannot do. Yeah. Because, especially now with uh, Fox being owned by Disney and the legal dispute over Predator and Batman still with Warner Brothers, that'll never happen. Too many egos, too many lawyers, too much money involved. It's not going to happen. So I said to myself... um, what can I do that is just like that? And I, I settled with The Nightmare Ends and Halloween, which was Freddy, Jason, Michael, Leatherface, and Pinhead all in one room. I go, that'll never happen. They'll never be able to pull that one off. And that'll be my idea. Have you seen the uh, documentary about the Batman Dead End? Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually... Uh, I know Sandy personally, and he sent yeah. that to me, and I watched it, and he's like, what'd you think? I go, um, it's a lot longer than the actual movie. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, a guy I went to college, <laughs> a guy I went to college with actually directed that documentary, so, and he and Sandy, had, he, he and Sandy had a big very, you know, yeah. I, I, pre- yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm proud of him, I'm glad that he managed to, <coughs> excuse me, make a career out of doing what he did, but the documentary itself um, yeah. was a little, like, it felt like it was one of those movies that was produced by somebody else. And someone's like, I want to make a documentary on Sandy Calora. But it was Sandy Calora making a documentary on Sandy Calora. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, I know, uh, yeah, because my friend Eric, who directed it, he, uh, he had a falling out with Sandy. I don't know what's going on with them. But, yeah, I, I went to college with Eric. I've known him for, like, 20 five years or so now so he's a good guy but yeah the, the documentary did seem kind of like a, a a love fest it was a <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that going yeah. on <laughs> like if i ever if i ever produce my own you know documentary 
you know, just shoot me. <laughs> like, I, that's that's like the one thing. Like, Steven Spielberg right now is doing a, a biopic loosely based on his childhood that he will be directing. And it's, it's like, dude, why? Yeah. Why are you making a movie about yourself? Like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of that, I don't, I don't condone that. I mean, there, there, there is the whole thing where, you know, you, you write what you know, but still to the point where it <laughs> becomes. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's all, it, uh, did you ever see that bit on Family Guy where um, the, they did a cutaway and the director, the screener goes, well, I just finished my movie script. Now I'm going to direct and star in it. But how bad do I want the role? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, let's uh, let's get into Maniac Cop here because that's you know what we're gonna talk about here. Um, I, I saw your uh, your fan film too of Maniac Cop that you did um, years ago. I just watched that yesterday. Two of them. Yeah, you did two of them. I saw the first one. I didn't see the second one yet, but <laughs> yeah, I did watch the first one. Oh man! Yeah, you gotta you got the second one that was my favorite yeah i'll have to check that oh, out but i did like right, the go first ahead, one. Go ahead, go ahead. i did like the first one it was pretty cool um nice nice little scene seems like it could have been right in the movie um what uh um what is it that you love about maniac cop great question um well i met uh william lustig by the way after i had made those and he really liked them so i was very about what I liked most about Maniac Cop, I believe, came from um, I think it was a very high concept movie. I like the idea of you know uh, the this 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 abuse of power that comes from Matt Cordell, the badge, the uniform, what a policeman is supposed to represent to the public, you know, to protect and serve, yeah. and then having completely go in the opposite direction and you know cause this nightmare effect in in new york and there's that great scene in the movie where the old lady gets pulled over and she goes you're not gonna get me and just shoots the face off of an innocent <laughs> cop who's just trying to help her yeah i thought that was really cool and i thought that was a really high concept uh thing to explore especially in a slasher film you know that yeah. was and 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 if you we just watched the movie the other night because and it's scarier now when you're watching like those street interviews where those people are talking about the police and how when I, you see a cop, you cross the other side. If you've if you've not been living under a rock the last couple of years, you'll know that police officers can be truly terrifying. So for a movie that is now, what, 33 years old to tap into long ago when we were living under the reagan administration where it's always good morning in america conservative values respect the police and you have the maniac cop going around that was truly uh, ahead of its time so naturally i was compelled to want to do something with that yeah yeah i uh i was watching it um the other night and i'm like this is so needs to be seen right now because I mean, with all the the Black Lives mm -hmm. Matter, the well, the I whole tried. Thing. To, yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to remake it. I wanted to remake it. Um, back in the whole thing started in two thousand seven. Um, I was talking with one of my friends, and we were just talking about stuff to do. And he says, "You know, it really needs to get remade." And I go, "What?" He goes, "Maniac Cop." And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, it does." Mm -hmm. You know, 
It needs to get remade, but seriously, not as a schlocky B horror movie. So um, we both actually sat down and wrote out a remake. Now, I had made a couple of tiny tweaks to the story, which um, kind of streamlined the whole thing. Um, I had that Matt Cordell, all the innocent victims he was going after, played a part in his trial, whether they were jurors, lawyers, witnesses, whatever. I wanted it that he actually was going after people he viewed as guilty rather than random people on the street. I wanted everything to kind of be tied together. That way, um, and as you saw in Maniac Cop 2, uh, everybody who set him up was terrified that he was coming for him. Yeah. Also, I kind of combined one and two into one huge movie. So um, uh, uh, I, I kept in that police massacre scene from two. Cause I love that scene. That scene is so satisfying. <laughs> and it's just it's like the perfect climax scene in, in, in a, a big movie. So, you know, we wrote like a, a $50 million budget film and everything. And I got pretty far with it. Like, um, I had reached out to, I shit you not, I reached out to John Cena way back when, and he was available. I reached out to Larry Cohen. Um, William Lustig was cool. Matt Zadar and I were actually, sorry, that Robert Zadar and I were friends at the time. And he was down to godfather the project with me. Yeah. But I wanted John Cena to play Matt Cordell. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He would, he would be a great, yeah, he would be a great actor for that role. Now, at the time, this is 2008, 2009, everybody's like, why the fuck do you want John Cena? He was only in that 12 rounds movie. I'm like, one, look at the size of him. <laughs> yes. Two, look at the jaw on him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Three, he's a wrestler. He can handle the physicality of the character. I knew, I knew John Cena's potential. Uh, 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 13 years ago, 12 years ago, I knew what he was capable of. And now, look at him, he's Peacemaker. I know. But um, <laughs> we really tried with that one. What killed the project was, regretfully, Larry Cohn. He killed it. Yeah. What, what did he do? He just didn't want to do it? or I had asked him, um, uh, I said, hey, we're trying to remake Maniac Cop. You're the rights holder. Would you be willing to um, let us license it from you. That way I can raise funds. What I need you basically is to just sign off that we're going to pay you a lot of money if you let me publicly raise funds for the project, talking to investors and signing talent and whatnot. And he said, no. He said, I want to be paid X amount of money up front and you can own it. And I was like, dude, it ain't worth that much. Yeah. I love you. I love what you did, but... It's been, uh, what, like, like at the time, 25 years. No, it was 2008, so it literally had been 20 years since the first movie came out, and, uh, what, uh, 18 years since the, its last sequel came out. Like, it's not worth as much as you're asking for. Lower your price. We can work this out. He says, no, shut the whole thing down, and uh, I, it just died after that. That sucks. I was reading that they're developing possibly a TV series right now about it, too. I heard something. Have you that heard TV that? series has been in development for years, yeah. and it was by uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, and it was supposed to be, like, set in L.A., and <clears throat> that was depressing when that happened because, you know, by that point, I had been shot down, and now that Larry has passed, I don't know who owns the rights. I don't know how Winding Refn got them, but yeah. it's just been out of my hands at this point. So I was like, all right, you know, whatever. And I tried this year to do a, a new Maniac Cop fan just to put my cap on it. And I figured do a third one, but yeah. I wasn't able to raise any funds 
to buy a new cop costume because I don't have one anymore. Oh, that sucks. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's hopefully if they do end up making the series that it does kind of follow some of the ideas you had because it would be better to, you know, modernize it and make it. I feel, yeah. I feel that it's yeah. going to end up like the way they want Todd McFarlane's spawn to go where Matt Cordell is essentially a background character in his own thing. I don't think they're going to embrace Jason Voorhees with a badge the way that they should. Like, yeah. In my script, I had, um, I had, you know, Cordell shooting up the police station. Then he comes walking out, riddled with bullets, just like smoldering, gets into a, like a, a, a SWAT truck and, you know, roars down, um, uh, 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 what was it? The West Side Highway chasing after the main character as like a SWAT helicopter is flying over. Shoots him in the head, and he just looks up. He's like, "Motherfucker!" Pulls the gun and blows the helicopter off the sky. Like it was over the top insanity, you know. I don't think uh, Winding Refn is known for his over the top insanity as he is known for his more think pieces and and, and thought provoking uh, uh, work on a, a smaller key. I don't think he's the right voice for Maniac Cop. Sadly, right, what else has he done? He did uh, a place beyond the pines. With Ryan uh, Gosling, oh, okay. um, I think he also did Drive. Didn't he do Drive? I think so. I'm not. I'm trying to remember because it's yeah. I know the name. The name's familiar, but I'm just not a you know yeah. up on. Him. And again, those are really really great character studies and they're great think pieces, but they're way too um, realistic. Mm-hmm. The, uh, 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 whereas yeah, you're dealing with you know a supernatural bad guy, a zombie essentially. And I don't, I don't think you can really have the uh, uh, the over the top action that it, it is born from the '80s, essentially coming through when you're doing a lot of these toned down films. He'd really have to step out of his comfort zone and do something that's, you know, Sam Raimi esque. Yeah, basically. Speaking of who had a cameo in the movie, <laughs> the first movie, um, I, I've, I've. Um, I've read that uh, Bruce Campbell thought that uh, Maniac Cop was the worst movie he's ever done, which I just don't understand, because then he came back for the sequel. I'm oh. like, I don't think it was the worst, but I know he's not fond of it. Yeah. And I do feel, I, I see where he's coming from with with that film, and I feel that it's just a byproduct of the time, because it was you know an 80s film, and it wasn't big enough of a budget, and you know Jack is this passive hero, until uh, the very end, he doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, in fact, in, in, in my my remake script, um, I wrote Jack out. Nah, he's barely in it. He he's in it for like maybe a scene in passing. The real hero of that movie was Frank McRae. Yeah, and mm-hmm. maintaining focus on Frank McRae uh, keeps that story alive, as opposed to killing him off and replacing him with Jack. I don't think Jack was a strong character. No. And I know that Bruce probably feels the same, given how quickly they kill him off in the sequel. Yeah, I mean, I know it's... it's yeah, I was surprised that they... Oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying I was surprised that they killed him off like an hour in the movie because he was clearly, you know, the protagonist, and then they just, you know, threw him off the out of the building onto the car. Uh, I, I, oh, Frank, I thought you were talking about, uh, Matt, or, uh, Bruce for a second. Yeah, no, with, um, with McCray, it was really, 
it was a ballsy move to kill Frank McRae, but at the same time, um, I believe they wrote themselves into a corner by losing that because you and and Tom Atkins was killing it in that movie. You know? know, he was he was you know surly, he was suave. He was a badass, and he was really doing a good job as a police officer, you know? He was bringing, like, if you're one of those support cops, like, he was a good example of what it means to be a cop. He was Mm -hmm. thinking, he was caring, and he was determined. And it's those sort of features you look for in a character, and instead, you're stuck with Jack Forrest, who was having an affair with his partner, and he doesn't even grieve over the loss of his wife. Right. Like, dude, um, didn't your wife just die? And you're about to make out with Teresa Mallory in a jail cell? Like, nah, dude, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. You're not the hero. You're a jerk. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I thought Atkins did an amazing job in the movie, and it, it was. I mean, I guess they were going for maybe kind of the whole like uh, Marion Crane and Psycho sort of thing, where you kill off the main character. I can, I can see, yeah. I can see where they would go with yeah that, but I feel that that was a missed mm-hmm. opportunity because. Marion didn't quarterback the main plot of the film. Marion mm-hmm. was the plot of the film. Yeah. Frank is quarterbacking the plot. Who is the maniac cop? How can I catch him? I know that Jack is being set up. Only I have the evidence that can prove his innocence type thing. Oh, let's just kill him off. Well, now what? Shit. We have to now go and do it ourselves. Now, I get the stakes are high. Frank is dead, and we have to now... um uh, 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 think on our feet and the entire city full of cops at one man, the, an innocent man, but because of uh, Jack's particular circumstance and the lack of addressing what has happened in his actual life where his wife was killed, whether he was in and out of that marriage or not doesn't matter. The fact is his spouse is dead. They never addressed that and instead just focused on his romance with Teresa and that was... I could see how that would leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, specifically maybe Bruce's or just the general audience going, the fuck, dude? Yeah, he's not your typical... The fuck? Definitely not your typical hero, I mean, but still, I mean, it, it was pretty cool, though, I mean, the, the the stunts and stuff towards the end where he was hanging on the on the truck. And stunts were great, stuff. the yeah, action was great, cinematography was, awesome. um, <laughs> was really good for, you know a low-budget movie, and again, it was a very high-concept film. Um, I think the only thing that the original movie suffered from, uh, just if you look at it as as a piece, not going into story or whatever, I don't think there were enough money shots of Cordell. No. You know, seeing the, the makeup on his face, I don't think there was enough money shots of that. There was maybe, like, what, two close-ups in the whole movie? Um, and I was, I was... And he didn't really get to be... I was just saying, I noticed too when when the like they have the close ups and then they cut away to the wide shot. It was kind of like uh, they didn't really match either too. Some of the times, to, totally no, they didn't match. match at all. And the yeah. makeup was almost different in some shots. Yeah, um, I feel that uh, obviously they 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 improved on his look in Maniac Cop Two. Yeah, you know, making him look like an actual zombie and everything. Um, Believe it or not, I'm actually I prefer the makeup in Maniac Cop Three. I, I really like just the whole burnt look. Having him just be this massive like burnt milk dud. Yeah. I thought was uh really, really <laughs> cool looking. Yeah, I mean it was kinda like what what happens after you've been dead for a while, you kinda get to look worse as you go, sort of thing. Yeah. Um I uh 
<laughs> which is probably true. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, and so it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's interesting that his that that the character didn't become more popular too. Like the the Maniac Cop movies didn't become bigger in certain I ways. Think but I think they were. They were regretfully drowned out by everything else at the time. Everybody was doing a gimmick. Yeah. You had Freddy with his claw and the dreams and the sweater, and you had Michael on Halloween with a knife, and you had Jason with a hockey mask and a machete or anything else you could fucking grab. Um, and then you had Matt Cordell, who was, you know, a police officer and everything like that. But then you had Psycho Cop, the ripoff movie. Yeah. Um, and then you had uh, Rotor. Uh, remember Rotor? No. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you are missing out. Rotor is bottom barrel. I'll still look that up. <laughs> this, I shit you not, this has to be the pitch. This has to be the pitch for Rotor. It's R-O-T-O-R, Rotor. <laughs> it's, it's RoboCop, Terminator, and Maniac Cop rolled into one fucking movie. <laughs> this scientist, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look up his name because is named something really fucking stupid in this thing, and I, I just cannot get over how bad, how bad it all is. Here we go. Wait for it. Dr. Uh, uh, Aldrin? That's a shitty name. Hang on. I gotta go to the IMDb here. Rotor movie, please. Damn it. It has amazing box art. That's what caught me, because I remember I was in the video store, and it had this amazing... Um, Art that looked like it was for like Duke Nukem. It's just this <laughs> muscular cyborg uh, with a gun, and he's standing um, on top of a flaming motorcycle, this vast wasteland. But in the actual fucking movie, it's just this dude with a goddamn mustache. You never even see his robot form, and his actual robot form is this plexiglass stop motion. <laughs> it's so terrible. So yeah, it's oh, it's Doctor uh, Barrett Cold Iron. <laughs> and up with Dr. Uh, Dr. Steel <laughs> and they have to stop Rotor and I swear to God the doctor Dr. Cold Iron he's got a mul he's got a blonde mullet and he's a cowboy so he talks like this at the side of his mouth and we have to stop Rotor Rotor is the deadliest thing I've ever created I'm like Dr. Frankenstein right now I'm telling you he's dangerous you know and Rotor um, kills people over basic infractions, like traffic infractions. If you run a stop sign, Rotor's going to kill you. If uh, you parallel park or, or double park, Rotor's going to kill you. Like He takes the law that crazy. Of course, when you shoot him, he bleeds green Rotor fluid. <laughs> wow, I just looked up the cover. That cover yeah, was it was like, really bad. That, that, that cover is really really would catch Amazing color. <laughs> the first 20 minutes of the God Day is just like <laughs> Dr. Cold Iron and he's like going day as a cowboy and he just so happens to be, you know, a scientist cop doctor thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I feel unfortunately that that Canadian cop was drowned out with all this other drivel that came out at the time and the fact that mm -hmm. it was a B-movie and didn't have the necessary budget to stand above really uh, worked against its favor, regretfully. I mean, when, you, when you're like, I mean, you didn't have, like, really huge stars in it. I mean, you had Richard Roundtree and stuff like that, but it wasn't, like, a, you know, yeah. A-list. Atkins cast. was serviceable, but I think Atkins is only um, an A-lister now by comparison. 
I don't think he was much of an A-lister back then as he was, like, you know, yeah, he was in the fog, and but I don't know of a whole lot of movies that he was quarterback in that were, like, A-listers in the 80s, so it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a very underrated actor, in my opinion, too. He was just so, especially in this, he was very, uh, very good. Um, so, um, what, um, what kind of legacy do you think this film might have? Like, I mean, besides the whole, like, remake and everything that might happen, but, like, the whole, like, you know, what, what kind of influence do you think it had on other films? If any. Um, I think, well, on my films it had, um, uh, uh, definitely some influence. Um, there were some really good shots in there, like the shot where the, uh, the jazz guy, the, the, the saxophone player's hands were cuffed behind his back and he was running and the yeah. camera's tracking with him. I thought was a good shot. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that I really liked the opening title sequence of him suiting up. If you watch my mm-hmm. second Maniac Cop short, I actually paid homage to that. Um, visually, I, I really like the idea of, of how they were dressing the Maniac Cop. And you see where certain things are being added, like when he you know, closes the gun, it's Robert Zadar's name there, knowing full well he's the maniac cop. And the score, I think, was really good, especially the opening title sequence was, you know, an amazing track. And I feel yeah. that um, probably everything leading up to the moment Frank McRae dies is probably a solid A movie. Yeah. Because Cordell's a character when you look back at his actual memory of what happened when you do that flashback to prison i thought that was really well done and i I think anybody watching the movie uh now uh could see that and see signs of a a really good filmmaker a really good story and see a high concept piece and then unfortunately of that (laughs) high concept into schlock regretfully (laughs) um so yeah uh I think the legacy that it carries is also a cautionary tale to filmmakers too, you know, um, myself being that like when I, I watch this movie, I see how a really great idea can be utilized, harnessed and corrupted all at once. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does make sense. I mean, I, I, I know watching it again now because I hadn't seen it probably since I was a like kid. So, <laughs> um, watching it now, I, uh, it, it has, I mean, I'm in the middle of writing a, a, a horror script, so, um, which it's kind of, it, it did kind of, like, spark some ideas in my head, you know, which I think will be very good influences, you know, and I think uh, a lot of the movies of that era um, have helped, I think, a lot of modern day, you know, horror filmmakers and things of that nature that are basically helping to tell suspense in a way that, you know, might be schlocky at times, but it's very you know, suspenseful in certain ways. I don't know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think with uh, Maniac Cop having the, um, having the fear mongering of, of a police officer, you don't see, you never, I never saw any of that prior to Maniac Cop. And I haven't seen much of it since, at least done the way that it was done in the movie. Like during the traffic stop scene specifically, you know, the, the two people are at the traffic light. Cordell walks up, just taps on the glass and says, you know, come with me like that. And they they even talk about it. McCray says, like, you know, if, when a cop shows up, you do what you're told. 
Okay. You know, you could be walking into a trap and not realizing it. Um, and I think that's really fertile territory in terms of horror, especially now more than ever. Yeah. Um, I had a really nifty idea that I haven't taken much out of development, but it was called Officer, and it was just about an escaped mental patient who kills a cop, steals the outfit, and then like terrorizes people yes. using the idea of uh, a police officer. How long will you comply before you start questioning and then get killed type situation, you know? I like that idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this... Like like you said, like this movie came out in 1988, and it, it does feel so current, like when they're doing the interviews with those people. Like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, this could have been made, like, today, like 2021. Absolutely. Uh, one of the guys people, says, like, they love killing, that's why they're cops. Right. <laughs> and I've heard people say that now. Yeah. That, that exact phrase and i'm like this movie is literally 33 years old or 34 i don't know and then uh yeah it's uh it's just it was very interesting when i saw that was because i mean a lot of this stuff is resurgent anyway i mean we kind of go through phases of social issues or whatnot so we're kind of you know we're kind of seeing sort of like like you said like from the reagan administration a lot of attitudes are sort of kind of resurfacing a little bit so mm-hmm. And just imagine if Mac Cordell wasn't horrifically disfigured and was able to articulate. Imagine if he was able to act as a, a real police officer, but, you know, he's still a maniac cop. Like, that's even <laughs> worse because he could go into your home. He could lull you away into a false sense of security, kill you when you least expect. Like, these are terrifying ideas. I mean, how many times... Have, have have you been driving and a cop pulls up behind you and after seeing everything on the news now you're like oh shit you know do i reach for my cell phone or not or or do i play it cool like these are real fears that uh, so many americans are going through and um you know obviously with maniac cop it's 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 easier to acknowledge that is the bad guy because he's disfigured and he's silent and he's Michael Myersing and chasing up and everything like that, but you know that is a real problem that exists today. So I, I I feel that there is so much fertile ground and fertile territory that should be explored more. It's like I, yeah, I, I mean I, that that kind of happened once to actually Mike and I. Yeah, oh, I'm oh, sorry. I'm just saying. Like, do you remember that time when we came from the Halloween party? Oh yeah, it did. and this this cop was literally following me around for I say probably what five ten minutes. Um, yeah, he's he, he pulls us over. Right. Said, it was said about we, five or ten minutes. The, the cop. Yes, yeah, said we did a U-turn, even though we just turned around in a in a shopping center, and then uh, and and then pulled us over. And I had a backpack. We we were in college at the time, and he said he said what's 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 in the backpack? And I was like, um, movies, because I had rented some movies at Blockbuster, and uh, and then he said, uh, and and I said and I said um, and my books, but you have no right to look in there. And, and the cops like, what do you mean? And then he's like, and he's, and I was like, I was like, well, you know, my, my dad was friends with the police chief. So I was like, I was like, oh, you know, uh, chief so-and-so I'll leave his name out. Um, might, uh, you know, might have a problem with this. And then, then he let us go. But if I wouldn't have been able to pull that off, who knows what would have happened? Yeah. I had a, uh, an incident when I was uh, filming one of my movies, um, I got mistaken for, uh, you know, a terrorist. We were doing a bank robbery movie in a, a, a closed-off area of the city, and someone who didn't want me to be there called the cops on me to scare me away. 
and he reported me and said that there were three mass terrorists in a white panel van with machine guns. <laughs> so I'm just driving because I'm got annoyed. I'm like, well, he doesn't want to swimming there. I go somewhere else. So I park on the corner and I'm just sitting and I shit you not, 12 cop cars sealed off the block. This is 2011, mind you. They sealed off the block. And I'm like, oh shit, something's going down. And then a cop comes running up to the car with his gun drawn. I'm like, he goes, you in the van? I go, am I in a bad spot? I'll move. He goes, hands on the wheel. I'm like, oh shit, they're here for me. I put my hands on the wheel. And um, I, 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 he literally, I Hold on the one I go, what's, what's the problem? He presses the gun into my temple and says, you give me a reason and I will light you up. And I'm like, bro, I don't know what you heard, but I assure you it's not what happened. And I, I'm like, look, there are people in the back of the van. We are all making a movie. There are props. There, it, nothing in this van is real. Do not hurt anybody. He pulls me and throws me on the ground and cuffs me. And again, he's like saying, I will be a hero if you do anything wrong. I'm like, you have the smallest penis I have ever seen. I'm thinking this myself. I'm not saying it out loud at that point. But um, thank God I walked away from that one. But yeah, I'm telling you, there are people who have that mentality of, I could kill you right now and they would pin a medal on me. And I literally experienced that. Give me a reason and I will light you up. Like, okay, whatever, man. So yeah, it's it's a truly terrifying experience um, that uh, really makes for great horror, in my opinion. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like right after I watched uh, Maniac Cop, I watched the latest episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine or the the season premiere, and like the concept of that episode was basically the concept of Maniac Cop, where there's like cops, you know, like what what's going on nowadays. <laughs> it was covering you know modern things, so it's just interesting how. I watched two things back-to-back -back that covered the same exact topic. One made in 1988 and one made in 2021. It's just so weird. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's, 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 it's just good for horror. Yeah. The use of power is, is probably part of all horror, in my opinion, and so much of it going on in the police force in general. So, And as well as, you know... I don't want to get political with like blue lives matter people and shit like that. That's even worse because that goes into cult mentality. Imagine if you dealt with not only a maniac cop, but blue lives matter people on top of it who would essentially be defending a maniac cop. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That'd be a good area to go into if they did remake Scary it. Scary show. Yeah, so, or, or, or any kind of movie that's cops. Like, well, that I, was I, what I, I wanted to do for my third short. I wanted, I wanted Matt Cordell to take on, um, Blue Lives Matter, and I wanted to see like all those faces uh, feeling all that betrayal as Coral's like destroying them left and right. <laughs> and like, We're on your side because at the beginning of Maniac Cop Two, you remember that scene with the the crackhead, and he's like, yeah. "It was one of you," and he gets shot up. I love that idea of of these Blue Lives Matter people screaming, "I'm one of you, I'm one of you," and then Matt just stabbing and shooting them left and right. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think you know definitely. It's like. Uh... It has to it's be like covered. You're saying like the Punisher. Yeah. I need I need a budget. I was trying to raise two grand to get a cop outfit and, you know, some prop guns and make that happen. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't able. I still have the uh, the GoFundMe up. But uh, if you if you want to get below, go ahead. It's just oh, GoFundMe.com slash Maniac Cop. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I definitely will put all the links we'll in, see there, what in our show notes yeah. because that I'd love to see that. Plus, I'd also like to see your your concept too about the uh, about the cop that you know a, a cop that looks more normal too would be interesting too. Like just a uh, you know the the guy the guy who steals. I need, the, need a cop suit outfit. to pull that off. Yeah, so if you get the cop suit for the one, if I have a cop other. suit, then I'm good to go. Yeah, so we can do them all. So <laughs> yeah, <right>. exactly. <laughs> I'm multitasking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's <clears throat> how it is, you know. You you, you, you get a you, you do the whole Roger Corman sort of thing, you know. You got you got the props and the sets. You might as well shoot another movie. Um, so, um, what, pretty uh, much. Yeah. I wanted to have come down that the cop was making him do Russian roulette. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so uh, before we wrap things up here, uh, any anything else you uh, you want to say about Maniac Cop before we stop on that, and then I'll talk to you about your. Uh, where people can find you and stuff. Um, I think uh, uh, I'm pretty set on Maniac Cop. Like I said, I got to meet William Lustig uh, back in 2009 because uh, we were both at the same uh, film festival in Sacramento. And because um, the they were doing Maniac, his other movie. Yeah. And um, I'm like, dude, someone let me, someone get me to talk to him. He goes, he's right over there. Go talk to him. I'm like, oh, shit. I go walk. I go, over, I go hey. I'm Chris. Um, I made uh, a couple of Maniac Cop shorts. I, I'd like to show you. He goes, you did what? I go, I made a Maniac Cop fan. That's so cool. Where, where can I see them? I go, right here, my friend. <laughs> and I showed them to him. And he's watching them. And he's just like, holy shit, that's so cool. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so that was just nice. That was nice. That's cool. Um, any, uh, yeah, so, so, uh, what uh? What do you got coming up? Anything? Uh, any any other? Uh, any any cool films coming up or anything? Yeah, uh, this Friday I'm going to be premiering my new Powerpuff Girls short film. Um, if what the CW has done has left a bad taste in your mouth, my short film will wash it out. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I know that. Uh, Chloe Bennett just left that and all that uh, that that project and everything. She too, left so. that project. And she, that was a smart move on her part. I commend her for uh, doing the right thing in this instance. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do is have your career marred by, you know, either controversial or bad work that you're not proud of. And I know that that was a personal choice, not a scheduling conflict. I'm going on record to say there was no scheduling conflict. She just wanted out and she took the first out she got and she got it. Um, but uh, I had read that script. Now, I had made a Powerpuff Girls fan film back in 2016, right? And I was good. I'm yeah. like, I made my, my fan film. I'm good. I don't need to do another. Then I read that script, and I'm like, fuck, that's it. I'm making a new one. I'm so angry right now. I'm going to make a new Powerpuff Girls fan film. That's how mad I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad she left because I'm, I'm a huge Chloe Bennett fan. I, I loved uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I, I loved her on that. She was my favorite character. No, so, she's great. Yeah. She's yeah. very likable. Yeah. And I feel like he was really, from what I read in that script, she would be absolutely underutilized yeah. because they made everybody so unlikable, so unlikable, as if they were trying, trying to make them unlikable. And I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> cool Bennett is a very nice, uh, uh, a warm person on S.H.I.E.L.D., now, I know, I'm not saying who she is as a person, but Daisy is a, a very warm and likable character. And 
that is probably a lot of people's first introduction to her as an actor. Yeah. You know? I don't know who the hell she was for the Agent Shield, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't either. So to take that, this this very nice and positive uh, 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 force of you know feminine energy, superhero energy, all these things, and then turn her into this 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 empty, spiteful, angry, bitter superhero, you're just like this is this is bad. Yeah. So I'm glad she's out of it. Well, hopefully they do get some good re- rewrites on that or something if it, if it if they wanted to succeed. But if not, oh well, it'll be a one and done sort of season. The certainly. rewrites are being done by the same people who wrote the first version of the script. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for 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 like Dove Cameron and and Donald Faison's like uh, I like them both as well, and I hope for their sake that it's good if they stay on. But who knows? Maybe they'll have scheduling conflicts too. Um, Dove Cameron <laughs> was expertly cast, but. She needs to dodge that bullet too. I'm telling yeah. <laughs> you, it, it, it's, it's going to be a train wreck. Yeah. Well, um, where can uh, where can people find you online? I'll, I'll link all the stuff in the show notes too. But where can they find you? That is an amazing question. I'm glad you asked. You can find me on uh, Blinky Five Hundred on all social media: um, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, Blinky 500, my, my channel handle all of it, Facebook, Blinky 500, and um, like, share, and subscribe my stuff. I guarantee you I have something for everyone on now. Literally, something for everyone. <laughs> if, if, if you're a pop culture fan, you definitely have a fan <laughs> film out there for them, I know, because I've uh, I've watched several of them. Pretty I, much. I, I, have... I, I loved your Skynet movie. Yeah. That was really cool that you just did recently. I loved that one. So, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ooh. Yeah. I was really happy and honored to be able to pull off Skynet the way that I did. Um, you know, I had the idea. Again, I made a lot of fan films out of spite. I saw Dark Fate <laughs> and I was just like, I am so over this shit. I'm going <laughs> to fucking end Terminator. I'm going to terminate Terminator. <laughs> and I, I made Skynet. I do that often. <laughs> I will watch something that I like and see how bad it is. And I'll be, that's it. That's it. I'm killing it. I'm going to kill it myself. Hold me down. Don't hold me back. I'm going on in. And I killed Michael Myers in 2007 because, uh, uh they were going to end the, 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 the thing in favor of the new remake. Um, and I fucking killed the Terminator now. It's dead. So, and I'll do it again too. I'll do it again. I'll kill again. Just, just go ahead, Hollywood. Fuck with something. I'll kill him. We'll take that totally out of context and make people think you're a terrorist for real. No, no, no. No, yeah. Just get that one clip of me going, I'll kill again. I swear. <laughs> just have that loop. Uh, you're on exhibit A. He said he'd kill again. Well, I'd like to thank you for your time tonight. Um, and, uh, if you ever want to be back on again to talk about any other movies or any of your projects, uh, just let us know, and we'd love to have you on again. It was great talking to you. Anytime. I have no life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me either, so it works. No. Okay, so uh, thank you. And, All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have a good night, Chris. Okay, that was our interview there with uh, Chris R. Notarelli. Um, Chris dot R. Dot <laughs> Notarelli, yes, as, as, as he likes to do. Um, and, uh, you know... Just a message, um, you know, message people and tell people that, you know, 
that's the way you got to say his name. Um, it's kind of yep. like kind of like I insist on being called Michael E. Cullen the second. I don't want because it, it bothers me sometimes when people forget the E. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, because I put that in there as honor of my grandparents Emmett and Eleanor. So there you go. Yep. Little fact about me that you didn't know before now. Um. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. That was a fun interview, Matt. Anything else uh, before we wrap things up here, Matt? That you had to say? No, I'm I'm good. Just uh, go ahead and watch this movie if you have not seen it yet. It's uh, it's 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 interesting. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's a it's 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 very sadly relevant, like we've said. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully you enjoy it, and hopefully if they do do a remake of this, that uh, it isn't, you know misinterpreted i should say you know what i mean uh, that right. they, they don't you know take it in a direction that the original producers didn't intend but uh for right now make sure you uh check us out on um facebook and twitter uh, I mean, we've got cullen park productions there we've also got uh all too real Two facebook fan page also the all too real Two podcast uh group here which you can join on facebook it's the best way to get a hold of us if there's if you have a movie that you'd like to come on and talk to us about in our all too rewind um we would love to have you on um just let us know um you send me a message at mike at cullenpark.com also uh be sure to check out our patreon our t public and subscribe share the show you know you can follow us on any kind of uh any kind of uh, podcast app that you, you know, whatever you're listening to us on right now. So obviously you found us if you're listening to my voice right now. And, <laughs> if, and if you're not, and if you're somehow hearing this and you haven't found us, seek medical attention. <laughs> because I'm just one of the voices in your head. Whoa. Whoa. That's, that's like surprisingly deep right there, man. Yes, it is. <laughs> but uh, until next time, folks. Be safe, wear a mask, wear a condom, <laughs> and bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to All Too Real 2 Podcast, a Cullen Park production. Produced and edited by Michael E. Cullen II. Music by Matthew Haas. Subscribe and share the show. Visit us at cullenpark.com. Yeah.